This is Taiwan Plus on ICRT, your connection to stories that matter. Brought to you by the news team at TaiwanPlus.com. Welcome to Taiwan Plus News. I'm Ian Kavat. Many people across Taiwan felt the effects of a magnitude 6.1 earthquake, which hit just about an hour ago. According to the Central Weather Bureau, the epicenter was in the east of the island, about 90 kilometers off the coast of Hualien County. Buildings shook briefly, but there were no immediate reports of damage. The head of the U.S.'s Central Intelligence Agency says China will be drawing sharp lessons from the war in Ukraine as it considers any future effort to take Taiwan by force. William Burns was speaking at a Financial Times event in Washington, D.C. The CIA chief said Beijing has seen Ukrainians' resistance to Russia's invasion and the way the U.S. and its allies have rallied to Ukraine's support. But Burns said Chinese President Xi Jinping's long-term goal to bring Taiwan under Beijing's control has not changed. Comparisons have been made between Ukraine's situation and the threat posed by China to Taiwan, which Beijing claims as part of its territory. Clearly, the Chinese leadership is trying to look carefully at what lessons they should draw from Ukraine about their own ambitions in Taiwan. I don't for a minute think that it's eroded um, Xi's determination over time to gain control over Taiwan. But I think it's, it's something that's affecting their calculation about how and when they go about doing that as well. Taiwan recorded 40,000 new domestic COVID-19 infections on Monday, along with 12 deaths. This follows another 12 COVID-19-related deaths on Sunday, the highest single-day numbers so far this year. All of those who died over the past two days were aged 50 and over. Nine of them had not been vaccinated, while another two only had a single shot. The government is moving to get medication to senior people patients faster, especially nursing home residents who are close contacts of confirmed cases. Team Taiwan is making a splash at the Deaf Olympics. The Global Games for the Hard of Hearing is being held in Brazil. On Friday, the team bagged two more medals. And with strong performances from athletes ranging from 16 to 61 years old, it also showed that sport is for people of all ages. John Van Trieste has this report. Taiwan's deaf athletes have added another silver and bronze to their collection at this year's Deaf Olympics. The men's table tennis team went into the finals Friday fresh from a 3-0 victory over Kazakhstan. It had to settle for second after losing by one point to Ukraine in the finals. But team member Yang Rongzong was still happy with the results. Also on Friday, 16-year-old and newcomer to the Deaf Olympics, Xu Mingrui, won bronze in the men's 10-meter air pistol event. Taiwan's most memorable performance, though, came without a medal. 61-year-old Sun Shu Liang finished fifth in a Taekwondo event known as Men's Pungse. But while Soon didn't make it onto the medal podium, his performance won him a warm round of applause from the spectators. 
This year's Deaf Olympics is taking place in the Brazilian city of Caxias do Sul after a year-long delay due to COVID-19. As in most international sporting events, Taiwan is taking part under the name Chinese Taipei. The games wrap up May 15th. Damon Lin and John Van Trieste for Taiwan Plus. Russia is celebrating its annual Victory Day to mark the Soviet defeat of Nazi Germany in World War II. Moscow's Red Square is set to host a parade of troops, tanks, rockets and intercontinental ballistic missiles. Russia's President Vladimir Putin will give a speech that is likely to offer insights on the future course of his war in Ukraine. Putin has sought to portray his invasion of Ukraine as a bid to denazify Russia's neighbor. But on Sunday, Ukraine's president, Vladimir Zelensky, told G7 leaders that Russia is imitating, quote, precisely the evil that the Nazis brought to Europe. European leaders, including Germany's Chancellor Olaf Scholz, have condemned Putin's comparisons of World War II with what they call his war of aggression in Ukraine. China is doubling down on its zero-COVID policy, with Shanghai stepping up its lockdown measures into the second half of May. Strict curbs on movement are being extended across the city. That's despite falling case numbers. Authorities in some districts were ordered ordering people back indoors on Sunday. Before now, residents were allowed outside for brief walks or to buy essentials. Meanwhile, China's capital, Beijing, is desperately trying to avoid a Shanghai-style lockdown by mass testing residents almost daily. To Hong Kong now, which has named its new chief executive, John Lee, who was a sole candidate in Hong Kong's small circle leadership race. It's the first time a former security chief has been appointed to the role, and it's raising concerns that Beijing's tough policy toward the city will continue. Ryan Hokopatrick has the story. He had 99% of the votes in his favor. But it was no surprise that former security head John Lee was the top contender for the chief executive post, as there was only one candidate on the ballot. Ordinary Hong Kongers weren't invited to Sunday's vote. Just 1,500 elites, vetted by John Lee himself, were allowed to pick the city's leader. Lee is credited with helping shut down the sustained 2019 anti-government protests, which took over the streets of Hong Kong for nearly six months. This shows that security and law and order continue to be a very important priority for the central government. I think it shows that they're not confident about the security situation in Hong Kong, and therefore they need a policeman to... Um, to continue to crack down. Over the course of this one-horse race, Lee has done little to inspire excitement among the people or renewed confidence in Hong Kong's future. But this failure to earn popular trust may in fact be what earned him Beijing's trust. John Lee does not demonstrate the political skills that I would have thought someone would need to govern Hong Kong. Evidence of that is the way we backed into the protests in 2019. One of the characteristics of all of our chief executive appointees is they do not have political skills. And this seems to be a requirement. 
they are not able to mobilize, galvanize the people of Hong Kong. They're not charismatic. We do have politicians who can do that. Um, and I'm not referring just to the ones in jail. I mean, those people who are in Lex Exco now, some of them, they are able to do that. But the party does not want these sorts of people. So we are left with people without political skills. In the two years since Beijing's imposition of the national security law, Hong Kong's freedoms have been rapidly shrinking, and hundreds of activists, politicians, and journalists have been caught in its dragnet. When Lee begins his first five-year term on July 1st, experts say we should expect more of the same. With Hong Kong's government under complete control of Beijing and its proxies, the city is expected to introduce local legislation, in addition to the national security law, to expand its range of weapons to further clamp down on critics. While Lee's elevation was never open to debate, it is still a pivotal moment. Governed by business people and civil administrators since its handover in 1997, Hong Kong is for the first time in the hands of a candidate from the disciplined services. He is also the first to face no competition, even from within the ranks of the pro-Beijing faction or from a committee already stacked with government loyalists. Lee is a new breed of leader for a new Hong Kong. Ryan Hill Kilpatrick for Taiwan Plus. It's election day in the Philippines, where 67.5 million voters are choosing their next president. Campaigning has been long and arduous, with widespread disinformation targeting presidential candidates. But as James Chater reports, the campaign is as much about the past and it is about the present. As Filipinos head to the polls, they won't just be deciding a president, but an understanding of their country's history. Polls suggest only two of the ten presidential candidates stand a chance of victory, and the choice is stark. Current vice president and leader of the opposition, Lenny Robredo, a human rights lawyer and grassroots activist, or Ferdinand Marcos Jr., the namesake son of the country's former dictator, who was removed from power by a people's revolt in 1986. Marcos Jr., also known by the nickname Bongbong or BBM, has tried to refashion his family's image and distance himself from his father's legacy of brutal martial era rule. And it appears to be working. Marcos Jr. has led polls throughout the campaign, but he's most popular amongst the youngest Filipinos. In a February poll, 77% of 18 to 24-year-olds said they will vote for him. And that's leading some to say, at this election, the very memory of the country's authoritarian history is at stake. It's all authoritarian nostalgia because he always presents the time of his father as the good old days to which the Philippines should return. And only he could do that because he is a president who will restore unity in this country and pride in being Filipino. Alex Chen and James Chater for Taiwan Plus. Thank you for watching Taiwan Plus News. I'm Ian Kavat. For more stories from Taiwan and around the world, please download the Taiwan Plus app. Stay safe and see you next time. Thanks for listening to Taiwan Plus on ICRT. For more great stories from Taiwan and around the world, visit TaiwanPlus.com. <laughs>